0: Legends of Time, The Lost Tree Written and read by Stephanie Ed Part Three You are not alone. It's just dark. It was cool in the darkness. Peaceful. Nice, really. There was no movement, but the air wasn't stuffy like a locked room. It was an open space of nowhere. Time could feel the emptiness around her as well as she could feel the dirt under her fingers. But she couldn't open her eyes. This was frustrating, as she suddenly had the sense that something was circling her, as if she were under a great dome and some intelligent force was stalking around it looking for a door. But there was no door. So it prowled, restlessly. Then Time began to feel cold. She shivered and squirmed, trying to open her eyes, but she still couldn't. So she relaxed and lay there, shivering. Warmth joined her suddenly. It glowed to her left, and she could feel the red and orange colors as much as she could feel the heat. It was a great relief, and she sighed. With the air released, she opened her eyes. Though the face that watched her was upside down, Time immediately recognized the tree person staring at her from above, large mossy green eyes transfixed and examining. Then Time felt twigs brush against her forehead, and she realized the tree person was gently stroking her hair, Time's head resting in their lap. Time jerked and tried to move, but the tree person hushed her. They spoke in a soft, breathy voice. Lie still, dearest. You've just won quite the fight. Time slurred. I saw you come out of a tree. She blinked rapidly because it was difficult to keep focus. The tree person smirked, then spoke. I am a dryad. You may call me Balanos. Time furrowed her brow. Balanos? she repeated. Balano smiled indulgently, stroking Time's hair before intoning quietly, "'I am she.' With wooden fingers gliding along Time's forehead, she added gently, "'Dryads have different names sometimes.' Time blinked, but when she couldn't pull focus, she closed her eyes again. She exhaled, mildly nonplussed. "'Tanuki?' Time inquired eyes still closed. "'I'm here, Time,' her companion's voice replied. Time turned her head and observed Tanuki sitting on their haunches beside a small campfire. It was crackling happily, and she figured it was the source of the warmth that had led her back. "'What happened?' Time asked, licking her lips. Suddenly the mouth of her water skin was pressed to her, and she took a swallow of the cool liquid." Time opened her eyes to see that it was Balanose holding the skin. She replaced its stopper and handed it back to Tanuki, who stowed it in Time's bag. Time blinked up at the dryad, who smiled gently again and said, You were attacked, but you fought valiantly and were victorious. I felt like I couldn't control my mind, Time said. Who could attack me like that? She started to sit up, and the dryad let her. Legs splayed as she sat on the dirt, time looked over at Bolinos, who was kneeling daintily with her knees pressed together. Then she rose in a fluidly, uncanny way and sat herself on a root beneath her tree. She crossed her legs and spread her toes toward the fire. The lines of her limbs were very straight, and she moved gracefully. She was shaped somewhat like a human, maybe a woman, though her skin was the bark of an oak tree. The planes of her face were defined, the flat bridge of her nose meeting her forehead to cat-like effect. With her angular features, hair of twigs, and large green eyes, time thought Balanos was as beautiful as she would have expected a dryad to be, but not at all in the way she had imagined. She drew the eye and held it close, her wild, uncultivated appearance literally enchanting. But Time did not pity the fools over the ages who thought Bolinose's very presence an invitation to chase her. One should know not to importune a nymph. Balanos leaned back against the trunk and looked at Time, waking her from her contemplation in blatant staring. Then Balanos said, I am sure you know who it was that could attack your mind in such a way. Time stared into the vivid green eyes of the dryad. I don't know what you mean, Time said in a cool tone. Bolanos chuckled, the sound like cricket song. My dearest, the whole wood knows you seek the boy and the tree. Time felt blood rush to her face, and she swallowed a gasp, though, in truth, she had suspected as much. Balanos giggled sweetly. Then she tapped her lips with a mossy finger and said, news of your doings has traveled on the leaves she gestured upward to the canopy and time couldn't see the black branches they cannot observe us now we have hidden you if but for a while the trees time said they've been shielding me that's right balanos said proudly as if time were a gifted pupil "'You rescued this tanuki from the way "'which was no easy task, "'and the leshy and the lindworm "'benefited greatly from your assistance, "'possibly more than you know. "'Indeed, the loss of the lindworm "'would have been a great tragedy for the wood, "'and the leshy has suffered deeply "'for going against his grain. "'But now the lindworm will recover, "'and the leshy is quite his old self again.' Balanos grinned teeth gleaming you've made yourself very admired by these parts from your conversations it was apparent that you came here on a quest to help the wood and what quest could be great enough for someone who'd scold a spirit and reach into the mouth of a dying dragon along the way Balinor leaned in closer to time we all know the tree They were the first, and here before the age of consciousness. But they have sickened, been corrupted by pain, and all of us with it. Once they decided to assert dominion, we have longed to free ourselves. But with things as they are, and how they have always been, it's very difficult to change things. Balanos got to her feet and sat beside time, angling toward her, maybe a little bit too close. She leaned in, and time had to resist the impulse to lean away. Balanos widened her eyes and said, But then you appeared. You slayed the way out, and accepted Tanuki as a companion. You soothed the leshi, and cured the lindworm. You risked yourself for others. If you could save the boy and triumph over the tree, then we might all be freed. She dipped her chin and smirked slyly. We have greatly enjoyed the opportunity to refuse orders. Orders from the tree, you mean, Time said. We have obscured you rather than impede your progress, Balanos said. And this is why they resorted to attacking your mind. She sighed and leaned back against her tree to time's relief. But you were able to repel the attack before I could intervene, Balinos said. I was quite eager to play your hero. She crossed her arms and pouted mockingly. If this fire was your doing, Time said, leaning over the blaze to warm her hands, Then you are, my hero. Bolanos laughed and said, You are very funny, Time. Time's stomach growled loudly as she replied, And hungry. Bolanos chuckled in an oddly creaky way, and Tanuki stood to join them on the other side of the fire, sitting at Time's right and handing her the bag. Time withdrew a meal from it and asked, What time of day is it? "'It is early morning,' Balanos said. "'The sun has yet to rise.' "'I need to make it to the tree today,' Time said, shivering. "'We won't have enough food or water for the return otherwise.' Time hummed, picking up her second water skin that was full near bursting and examining it before putting it back in her bag. "'I'll need you all to withdraw your branches so I can see where I'm going.' Bolinose hummed. Hmm, no, I don't think so. She stood up, and a branch of her oak tree reached down to touch her hand. She nodded at it, and then said, I will be your guide. We can only do so much to protect you, but what little that is, you will greatly need. I can't ask you to do that, Time said. If I should fail, you'd have a lot to answer for. Then you had better not fail, Balanos said smugly, and she sat down on the ground beside time, yet again a little too closely for comfort, her arms straight as she rested her palms on her knees. Time scooted away as she chewed on the salt pork, and to her mild surprise, Balanos did not inch closer. She just sat there, utterly still and strangely weightless, as if she were about to catch the breeze and float away. Time suddenly yawned hugely, and she fell back against the tree, her stomach full and her body relaxed. Then she said, I think I need some more sleep before I can go on. We will protect you, Tanuki said quietly, patting Time's knee and hopping into her lap. Time sighed, and for the first time, reached out and stroked Tanuki's head, scratching between their ears. Her furry companions smiled and closed their eyes, letting out a little snoring sound as they enjoyed Time's affection. Then Time dropped her hand and felt it fall upon her scabbard. She jerked and gazed down. Relief flooded her when she realized that the dandelion sword was there too, sheathed again and by her side. She patted the pommel blossom and felt hope. Time exhaled and leaned back, closing her eyes. Listening to the sound of the crackling fire and feeling the soft warmth of Tanuki in her lap, she let go and fell asleep. Time stood on a parapet where they weren't supposed to be, her arm around Lila's shoulders. They looked out at the vast meadow that surrounded the city walls. Historically, it had been left undeveloped as a testament to the majesty of the queendom, the gleaming grey stone city and castle, sitting in the middle of a glorious prairie that grew in colors of green, pink, and white. But now, as time and Lila watched, there was a boom of construction just outside of the walls as a third of the land was put to human use. And it had all happened so fast. Suddenly, one day, there was no more queen, though apparently she was still alive, and... Even more unbelievably, the jails were full of genuine noble lords rather than beggars. Indeed, many of the beggars were out in the field, building lodgings and public houses for their very own neighborhood. A crowd of youths, Time and Lila's age, were helping lay stones in the new thoroughfare, or rather, half-helping, in between rowdy breaks for gameplay. We're going to live here, Lila said. We get to live in a house. Time hummed. I guess we'd better go help. Time jerked as she felt something touch her face. She opened her eyes to find Balinos staring at her, so close their noses were almost touching. Balanos was caressing Time's cheek, and she said, It's time to wake. Time grunted softly and laid her palm on the back of Bolinose's hand. Then she wrapped her fingers around it and pulled it from her face. Please don't do that, she said. Balanos flicked her brow and got to her feet. Time stood as well, adjusting the sword on her hip and slinging her bag over her shoulder. She gazed at Tanuki, who was standing resolutely in front of the smoking embers of the fire. Ready? Tanuki asked, obviously nervous. Ready, Time said nodding. They moved on and walked for three hours relentlessly, time taking firm, bracing steps in utter silence. Soon though, the sound of her breathing became strangely amplified. It was as if all the wood was also drawing purposefully even breaths, the sound full of anxiety and determination. So... Tonoki said suddenly, Do you have, like, a plan? Time snorted. Then she said, Hard to share a plan when one's opponent is literally everywhere. Ah, uh, yeah, fair, fair point. Tonaki looked up. The leaves were doing their best to obscure them, but the branches were increasingly numerous and thickening. Keep them off me, Time said seriously. If you can do that, maybe I'll have a chance. She gazed down at Tanuki walking close to her ankles. She smiled. Tanuki offered a feeble smirk and said, I'm glad we're going to fight side by side, Time. Her eyes widened. Then Balanos' voice answered, And what about me? Time looked up. Will you fight? Balanos hummed and turned her back on Tanuki and Time. Then she turned her head, arms wrapped around her chest, long fingers drumming against her biceps, the clacking, percussive sound sending a cascade of pins marching across Time's skull. Then Balanos said, I will keep them off of you. Time smiled and bowed forward. Balanos turned her eyes back to the wood ahead of them. Time glanced at Tanuki, whose brow was cocked, and she winked. When Time looked up again, she realized they'd arrived. Or, at least, they gazed upon the entrance. There were tall sequoias ahead, but beyond them loomed a vague, dark void. Time took a deep breath. "'and wondered how close the tree would allow her to get "'before they waged their attack. "'She reached into her bag and withdrew her full water skin. "'She bit the cork and pulled it so she could take a drink. "'After wiping her mouth on her sleeve, "'she tucked the skin into her belt so she could shrug off her pack, "'which landed with a thud behind her. "'She unclasped her cloak and let it fall to the forest floor. "'She rolled her shoulders and popped her neck.' Then she drew the dandelion sword. Time's steps crunched on the needles and leaves that it collected on the ground. It was eerily flat as the trees spread out, old and tall. Nothing obscured the black branches, for they were so low, far below the protruding limbs of the towering sequoias. So they observed her. The branches heard her crunching along with Tanuki and Balanos. Time felt as if she were on the edge of a great protective dome, like a memory. At the center, something waited for her, hushed, anticipating. But she did not have to prowl around its edges. She crossed confidently over the threshold. The gray void enveloped them, and time moved as if strolling through a coastal fog. Though there was no clanging bell to follow, only Bolynos and her own instincts. And then the vapor dissipated, and time stood in what seemed to be an enormous clearing. But when her eyes adjusted to the darkness, she realized that the field before her was anything but clear. Maybe fifty yards ahead of her stood a wall, a great wooden, knotted, towering wall. Her eyes adjusted further as she stood at the edge of the thicket and stared up at the tree. The great tree. The tree of them all. The Commandant of the Wood. Their black and blue trunk was at least fifty feet wide and lined with age, dry bark, cracked and patchy. The incredible girth made it seem as if they had been growing outward instead of upward. Or perhaps they had crouched... And spread, shoving the sequoias around them away. Time gazed up at the enormous boughs that twisted among themselves, their ends bursting with thousands of slim branches like hair that had webbed through the whole wood to the edges, observing everything that happened within. The tree was entirely still, but time felt as if they saw her now, as if they perceived her entirely, inside and out. They stood austere and confident and anticipating, impossibly huge and imposing, and they seemed to emit a strange low hum, like the endlessly echoing thrum of a firmly struck guitar string, a heavy A note reverberating off of the surrounding trees. It vibrated in time's back teeth, Time felt a shiver rush up her spine as cold fear gripped her heart and lungs, but she took another bracing breath and exhaled it slowly. She gripped the dandelion sword tightly in her hand and whispered to Tanuki, "'Don't sacrifice yourself for me. I hold your oath fulfilled.' Turning away before Tanuki could speak, she took in another breath, lifted and dropped her shoulders— and took off at a jog toward the tree. Though she kept a swift, even pace, the incredible expanse of the tree's trunk made it seem as if she were getting no closer. But she pressed on. She anticipated with a pounding heart the move the tree would make in defense. But they just stood there, waiting. And then time heard it. It was a rhythmic pounding, a distant drumming, as if small horses were galloping to bear down upon her. The sound rose to crescendo, and then the army appeared from around either side of the tree. Scores and scores of sprinting rabbits. With their ears high and alert, their coats shades of black, gray, white, and brown, they ran for her and her companions at full speed. Time's eyes widened as she comprehended and considered how to deal with the swarm before it was upon her. She suddenly remembered Bun-Bun, the albino rabbit her students had named by unanimous vote. She growled in anger, offended by the tree's devious tactic of abusing her affection for small, furry creatures. Time let out a yawp and charged on faster, gripping the handle of the dandelion sword with both hands. And then she met the enemy line on the field. A white rabbit leapt for her, mouth wide and tiny sharp teeth protruding. Time swung the sword and sliced through its neck. Body and head hit the ground as its brethren began to squeak and shriek. She took the opportunity to hop onto a large root and leap over the army of rabbits to another root. But then her platform jerked under her. She looked around. The roots and boughs had begun to move slightly, shifting as if stretching. Five more rabbits leapt at her. Time felt sharp teeth plunge deeply into her left shoulder and worry the flesh, claws slashing at her neck. With a howl of pain, she shook the rabbits off and cut them down, the green and silver blade now red with shining blood. She heard Tanuki shout behind her, and she turned to watch them lasso a hare and fling it back into the swarm. Tanuki looped the rope around one of the reaching boughs and swung themselves out of reach as a group of rabbits climbed on top of each other to lunge for their furry tail. Time turned back as a crowd of hares did the same to her, leaping onto her six at a time. She stumbled back onto the earth, twisting violently and tossing them off of her. A black one locked its jaws as it bit into her bracer, hanging on like a leech. She sliced through its neck and parried the others, "'cutting down the hairs as she pushed on. "'One of the largest boughs unwound itself from another "'and swiped low at the ground, creaking and moaning. "'Time dived and rolled as it dragged across the earth, "'scooping up a dozen rabbits and tossing them in the air "'as it crushed another dozen into the dirt. "'Time rolled to her knees and ran forward, "'dashing as fast as she could toward the center of the tree.' She slashed at the rabbits and dodged packs of them as the roots yanked themselves from the ground and reached for her like great tentacles. She dove and rolled under one that was as wide as the village thoroughfare. She glanced to her left and saw Balenos throw a confident punch into one of the roots. It reeled back, cracking nearly in half as it fell slowly to the ground. Time glanced right, and at her, too, saw Tanuki swinging a rope in a wide circle, a net at the end of it scooping up a pack of rabbits and using it to cleave through another line of attacking hares, clearing a path to the trunk for time. She dodged and cut and scrambled, punching and grabbing rabbits as they viciously bit and clawed at her arms and legs. One left for her face, shrieking savagely, and she swung her forearm into its chest, it fell to the ground with a collapsed ribcage, its legs jerking as it died. Time looked up, marveling at how close she'd gotten. Three enormous boughs were bending down for her, like the fingers and thumb of a god. They would fall upon her and crush her in moments. Her muscles were burning with the effort, and she was gasping for breath. But she cut through the last line of rabbits before her feet slammed onto the soil that inclined where the tree emerged from the earth. Time skid to a stop, the din around her a mix of the deep thrum of the tree's presence, the squealing and cracking of the great boughs and branches, the shrieking of the rabbits, and the epic pounding of her own heart. She was at the trunk, before the tree. Every branch and every root moved to her, reached for her, but as her feet planted, she swung the dandelion sword over her head. With a swish and a loud shing, she sliced clean through the closest bough that bared down upon her, and as its end flew through the air, she pulled the skin from her belt, popped the top, turned it over, and dumped half the contents onto the dirt between her feet. The bough hit the ground behind her with a crash, and every other branch froze as the cool water soaked into the earth. There was a hush. As if the tree in the wood had been caught utterly unawares. It reposed in shock. Then, after the tree comprehended what she had done, a loud screech pierced the air, and the branches shivered and shook as if full of surging fluid. The roots contorted in the ground and pulled inward as the trunk shuddered, the bark crackling and snapping. The rabbits fled time fell backwards onto the ground, clutching the sword in her water skin. She gazed up as the tree screamed and struggled. She scrambled to her feet, and without much thought, carefully lifted the dandelion sword to lay the point of the blade upon the trunk. Very slowly, and with great care, she scored a line through the bark and into the dry flesh of the tree. They screamed louder, the ground shaking. Time could hear Tanuki shouting, but she didn't look over her shoulder. She focused on her work. For when the tip of her sword touched the earth, a pale light glimmered in the cut like the glow of a lantern through a door jamb. It pulsed in time with the echoing thrum. Then, as the light surged in brightness, and as if the tree were flesh, the cut opened and birthed a small, blue-clad figure whom Time caught in her arms. Very carefully, though the tree shuddered and screamed, Time laid a young boy onto the dirt at her feet. His eyes were closed, long black lashes laying on his dusky cheeks. Then those lashes fluttered, and amidst the din, the boy opened his eyes. His dark irises were almost as black and deep as his pupils. He blinked up at time, who smiled, and lifted the water skin to his mouth. His lips were dry and cracked, and he licked them hopelessly. But as she lowered the skin to his mouth, he laid his hand on her wrist to stop her. No. No. He croaked. The tree. He gestured at the trunk pushing her hand to empty the skin onto the roots. Time smiled in understanding, but she just said affectionately, Yes, the tree, but you first. The boy didn't resist and closed his eyes as Time carefully poured water into his mouth. He swallowed. When he opened his eyes again, he reached out for the skin. Time helped him sit the tree crying feebly as their branches hung limply around them, their roots squirming in the dirt. The boy leaned forward and laid his hand on the trunk. Then he turned over Time's skin and emptied the rest of the water onto the soil. The tree shuddered and groaned. Then all things fell eerily still. Time looked up and around. Tonaki was several yards behind her, gripping the drawstring of a woven sack packed with struggling rabbits. Balanos was hugging one of the now-limp tree roots. She let it slump to the ground, and it shrank back into the earth like a snake into its den. Time picked up the boy and retreated several yards. Then she turned back to the tree. They were pulsing, heaving and jerking as if taking breaths. Then, very slowly... They began to contract and rise. Their girth slowly receded. Miles of branches began withdrawing from the surrounding wood, and time could hear the snapping and dragging from all directions. The tree grew, stretching, the roots pulling along with it, branches thinning and separating as they spread upward with the elongating trunk. They took their time to contract and grow, and Time realized that the tree was rising above the surrounding sequoia, climbing their way out of the hole in the canopy so that their bare black branches could touch the sun. After several minutes, the long boughs stopped moving, and the tree's ascent slowed. Time's head was tipped all the way back to take in the incredible height of the tree, their boughs outstretched as if they were a figure standing with many arms extended, face angled to the heavens, palms up, receiving warmth and celestial light and a deep, meaningful meditation. The tree would have towered over the castle nearly twice its height. Though it was still dark and full of shadows, a golden light now filled the entire wood as the black clinging branches had let go of their hold and shrank back. The whole forest had transformed from grey to bronze, leaves glowing green and brown in the afternoon light. And just when time thought she could not be more dazzled, she heard the boy gasp, and then Tanugi make the same astonished sound. The heavy, spiny, thorny black branches had fanned out and exploded with small green leaves that unfurled and relaxed. The tree seemed to inhale, a breeze whirling around the trunk and rushing through the neighboring leaves. As the foliage settled, millions and millions of tiny buds burst from the branches, blossoming into an endless expanse of delicate blue flowers. They shivered in the breeze like tears of grace and wonderment, and in the golden air, it was as if the tree had been overtaken by a kaleidoscope of carefree indigo butterflies. The hum of the trunk had fallen silent and was replaced by the music of rustling leaves, sighing wind, and song. Time exhaled, shivering from the gentle caress of such pure, free beauty. The trees sighed and seemed to settle in their bed, "'roots relaxing securely. "'The boy choked a sob, "'and Time looked down to see he had run forward "'and was leaning with both hands against the trunk of the tree. "'He began to cry and pressed his cheek to it. "'Why are you crying?' she asked him gently "'after she approached him, sitting and leaning against the tree. "'The boy looked over and wiped his face on his sleeve.' His dark brown hair was disheveled and his bright black eyes made him seem like the painting of a beautiful child rather than a real one. She smiled as he coughed. Then he said, I hated them. I hated them for a long time. But now I'm sad I'm gone. He leaned against the trunk. Poor tree. Are you all right? He looked up and the tree made no outward response. So he stared up at their blooms, and said, You have such pretty flowers. A gust moved through the forest, and the blossoms undulated as if dancing, as if prancing, as if showing off. The boy giggled. Then he looked at time. Do I have to go home now? he asked. Do you want to go home? she replied. He looked up at the tree and bit his lip. Yes, I do want to go home, but could I come back? I can't promise that, Time said, but I think the wood would welcome you, and I would gladly be your escort. Who are you? the boy asked. I'm Time, she said. I teach school in the village just outside of the city. My mother's city? He replied. She still lives there, Time said. The boy blinked and looked at her cautiously. How long have I been here? Twenty years, Time said seriously. The boy gasped and looked down. Then he whispered, All my friends are grown up. Time reached out. "'and put a hand on his shoulder. "'Then she said, "'It'll be hard. "'Things are very different now. "'But your mother will be happy to see you.' "'He looked up at her. "'Then he said, "'You may call me Ali.' "'It's a pleasure to meet you, Comrade Ali,' "'Time said, getting to her feet "'and reaching out for the boy. "'He smirked and took her hand, "'standing on wobbling legs. "'It took him a moment to stabilize, "'but when he did, he let go of time.' She shook the blood off the dandelion sword, and then sheathed it at her side. "'Wow, that sword!' Ali said, pointing. "'Pretty neat, huh?' Time showed him the leafy guards and yellow pommel. He nodded eagerly. "'You saved us,' Ali said, looking up at the tree again. "'I had help,' Time replied. Tonoki had walked up to them, dragging the bag of rabbits. "'I think you can let them go, Tonoki. Time said. Her companions started and looked at the squeaking sack as if they'd forgotten they were holding it. Then they chuckled sheepishly and opened it to let the rabbits escape in all directions. Balano strolled up to them, and Ali stared at her with blatant amazement. Time introduced her two friends to Ali, who bowed to them very formally, his ears and nose going pink. Tanuki hummed judgmentally. So this is the over-talked-about captive prince. I expected more majesty. Time snorted, and Ali grinned bashfully, giggling. You are hurt, Balanos said, pointing at Time's shoulder, which was bleeding freely. She roughly pressed her wooden fingers into the wound and laid her palm on the slashes across Time's neck. Time winced and waved her away. I'm fine, she said glancing at her shoulder only to realize the bleeding had stopped and the pain had subsided. "'Thanks,' she added in a surprised tone. Mbalano smiled and said, "'I will walk with you for a while.' Tanuki began to move forward beside time, but they stopped as Ali turned to stare back at the tree. "'I'll come see you,' he called out. "'I'm not angry anymore.' As if in response to these words, a gust of wind rushed from the high heavens through the canopy and brought with it a cascade of blue flowers like the train of a magnificent gown. They swarmed and circled around the four figures standing at the base of the great tree. Time exclaimed in awe, and Ali began to whoop and run about, chasing the blossoms and catching them in his small fists. When the last bloom had fluttered to the forest floor, "'Ali's arms were full of flowers. "'These are for my mother,' he said proudly. "'Time smiled and helped him dump the lot into her bag, "'which Tanuki had gone to retrieve, along with her cloak. "'Ali laughed and whirled around "'to impulsively reach a hand out to Tanuki. "'Then he stopped and jerked his hand back, looking abashed. "'Sorry,' he said. "'Could... could I pat your head?' Tanuki laughed raucously and then scampered over to jam their head against Ali's outstretched hand. He giggled and stroked their soft fur. "'It's time to go, human boy,' Balanos said, and she turned to begin striding away from the clearing. Ali and Tanuki chased her, and, after sparing a glance for the great, powerful tree, time followed, clasping her cloak after slinging on her pack." A strange feeling of grief upon her heart. Sad to say goodbye to a dear friend after such a short visit. Time was reflecting on this feeling as they walked for an hour, Ali scampering around and playing with Tanuki. Then the sound of swift footfalls shook time from her reverie, and she drew the dandelion sword before sweeping Ali behind her. But it wasn't an attacker that broke through the brush. It was a fairy. It was the fairy man Time had seen before, jogging through the wood. His pale face was alight with confusion, smooth black hair flying out behind him. His hand rested on the grip of his katana. He gazed hard at Time, who hadn't sheathed her own weapon, the sight of the dandelion's sword clearly baffling him further. He furrowed his brow harder and pointed up. Then he said somewhat awkwardly and in an amusingly melodic voice, "'The branches,' he blinked his large, almond eyes. "'The black branches are gone.' Time sheathed the dandelion sword and smiled. "'The tree isn't sick anymore,' she said. "'They've withdrawn.' The fairy blinked and stared hard at her. Then he looked at the human boy, Tanuki, and Dryad in her company, and squinted in confusion. "'Did you do this?' he asked the two forest creatures. Tanoki grinned and said smugly, It was Time's doing, jerking their snout and a paw toward her. She is our champion, and doomed to be forever remembered. Time? The fairy repeated, looking up at the woman in question. That is you? He asked. I am she, Time said. Pleasure to meet you, comrade. The fairy hummed. "'I am Laryx, he of the Eastern Fair Folk.' He bowed forward. "'It is an honor, Lady Time, "'to greet you at the hour of such a grand victory.' "'Thanks,' Time said. "'We're heading back home now, though, "'so Ali can return to his mother.' Laryx looked down and hummed again. "'The lost prince,' he said. "'Though you will have no crown to wear "'when you return, I understand.' "'Ali looked at Time.' and then shrugged at Larix. "'Will you tell me your tale?' Laryx asked Time, fixing his piercing eyes on her. "'We must continue our return journey,' Time said frankly. "'But you may join us if you wish to hear the tale when we stop for the night.' Laryx nodded and gestured outward. He walked behind them in silence as Ali asked his companions questions of the forest, and Tanuki entertained them with two more tales of mischief. "'That evening,' As they sat around the campfire, Time kept her word to Laryx. Before the dancing flames and amidst the listening woodland, she regaled them all with her tale of a quest that had begun with three sunflowers, a dandelion, and a song in her garden. The next morning, at daybreak, Laryx offered Time his full water skin. She thanked him remarking on, but still making the dubious choice to accept a drink from a fairy, and he departed. To Time's pleasure, Balanos and Tanuki assured the two humans that they would escort them farther. It took the next two days of traveling for Time to tell Ali the whole story of what had happened in the years after he was seized by the tree. He jumped off rocks and scampered around as they walked and she talked, though Time knew he was listening intently and absorbing it all. She wondered what he would think when he understood just what his abduction had meant for children like her. My mother sounds different, Ali said. I would imagine so, Time replied. I hope she wants to see me, he said quietly. Considering how much she's missed you, I can't imagine she wouldn't, Time said. Ali grinned and replied, Maybe she'll be excited then. He dashed off to examine a fascinating white shrub. Tanwiki quickly warned him it was dangerously enchanting, adding, "'It would ruin the story if in the end you were felled by a bush.'" Molinos left them when they came upon the mouth of the pool that interrupted the creek. She smiled as she bent to kiss time on the cheek and winked boldly at Ali. Then she turned and faded into the trees. Time smiled and looked at the pool. The ground around it was very wet, as if someone had waged a splash war. But the area did not stink of decay. The rocks were slick, and the moss was bright. There were fewer flies, and the sludge had ebbed. It was as if someone had cleaned house. Even the pool itself looked much clearer in the gently filtered golden midday sun. Then a line of black horns arched out of the water and two huge, protuberant yellow eyes popped up from below the surface. Ali squeaked and ducked behind time. Tanuki's tail bristled and back arched. But time just stood there smiling as she gazed down at the lindworm. They raised their enormous head to reveal glimmering and majestic blue scales. They were clean, gleaming, no longer caked and tangled in mud and weeds. The dragon let out a guttural purr and squinted at time. She lifted her eyebrows and waved. The lindworm said nothing, but offered a toothsome grin that was both charming and menacing, before slipping back under the water and out of sight. That was friendly, Time said, hands on her hips. Then she turned and walked off, leaving Ali and Tanuki frozen where they stood, until they came back to themselves with a jump. "'and chased after her. "'Ali asked more questions as they traveled, "'but on the last day in the wood, "'he fell into a pensive silence. "'Even when they came upon the leshy, "'who got down on one knee to apologize, "'Ali did not speak. "'He only nodded and smiled. "'At last, when they came upon the fence "'to Time's backyard, Ali broke his silence. "'He paused on the threshold "'and took Time's hand. "'He looked up at her. "'Then he said, "'Could I come to your school?' "'Time smiled and knelt down. "'Why would you want to?' "'She asked. "'I don't know anybody,' he said. "'I... "'He bit his lip. "'I don't really feel older, "'even though I am, "'but I sort of do, "'and nobody will understand.' "'But you do. You saw. You know. And you're a teacher. "'I need to learn things, too. A lot of things. "'So could I come to your school?' "'Time smiled and got to her feet. "'You can talk with your mother about what will happen next and decide then, "'but you will always be welcome in my classroom. "'I would be honored to have you as my student and as my friend.' Ali beamed at this, an expression of relief and hope overtaking his face, and he unlatched the fence without asking. He ran into the garden and halted before the three infamous sunflowers. He bowed to them, and they bowed back. Then they began blowing raspberries and cheering as their leaves waved about happily, and they swayed excitedly on their flexible stems. Time turned to see Tanuki still standing within the shadow of the wood. They were holding their front paws timidly to their chest, tail tucked against their feet as they sat back on their haunches. The black nose quivered. "'Thank you, Tanuki,' Time said. "'You certainly kept your word to be my loyal companion on this adventure.' Tanuki bowed, a little frown on their furry face. Time smiled as they blinked their glistening black eyes. "'Perhaps another day I'll see you in the wood.' she said. "'I would be offended if you were not to cross my path,' Tanuki replied. "'My friend and comrade?' Time blinked rapidly at these words. Then with a sigh and a smirk she said, "'Well, should you like to visit me, Sunday tea is at four o'clock.' Tanuki grinned and then bowed forward theatrically. "'You have my word.' "'that I will bring with me a sack full of ill-gotten sweet buns. "'They dropped to all fours, and with a wink, "'turned and dashed back into the wood. "'Time watched the leafy branches sway in the wind "'that swept up from the vast neighboring meadow. "'She felt something very familiar, "'a feeling from long ago, "'a feeling of being silently accompanied.' she laid her palm on the pommel of the dandelion sword and walked into her garden to join Ali. When she approached the sunflowers, they raised their petals to the sky and began to whistle in harmony, praising her with a tune of victory and gratitude. The End Thank you so much for listening to Legends of Time, The Lost Tree, written and performed by me, Stephanie Ed. I hope you enjoyed listening to Time's Adventure as much as I enjoyed reading it to you. For more content and news, including, perhaps, maybe, more tales of Time's Adventures, visit stephanied.com, subscribe, and follow Stephanie J. Ed on Twitter and Instagram. Good night.